as we were worshiping, uh, the verse from Psalm 16 kept coming to me. Wow. <laughs> the holy ones in the land, they are noble. And they are precious in my sight. And you are precious in my sight and precious in his sight. And I just pray that you will feel him running after you tonight. Just running after you. To set you free in places you don't even know you need to be set free. In a time of just talking to Jesus, was just sharing that the way that he's recreated me, that all I really want is just him to have his heart's desires. I don't really uh, think I have personal ones at this season in my life. I just want to see him as our husband happy. I'd like for him to have all his prayers answered and all of his heart's desires fulfilled. Um, for all of you and all our partners and listeners on the broadcast and all the ministers and all the body of Christ around the world. And I, I just, I would just love to live in the season that gives him um, more answered prayers than he's ever had since the Garden of Eden. And I'd, I'd love to be alive in the season where the body of Christ allows him to just flood love and oneness. And when I was pouring out my heart, um, I'm going to step out for a moment and say, if I say anything tonight that, that makes you go, huh, just hit delete and listen for the next sentence. Because this is a, a night where I may be more transparent than I typically am. And so if that makes you go, what? It's okay, just go, it's just Susan, delete, let's wait for the next line. But I was in prayer just saying, I just want your heart's desires. And he said, would you like to learn how I grew up? And I said, I would. I would love to understand that. So he took to Philippians 2.5, and I'm not going to read it, but Philippians 2.5 and following says that Jesus, as the Son of God, chose to empty himself of every form of godliness in order to take on flesh. And it's literally the picture, if I have a glass of water, I don't just pour it, I dump it out, and there's not even a molecule of water left, that he emptied everything of his godness, everything he knew about heaven, all his heavenly authority, his heavenly power, he emptied it out. And he put on paper flesh, human flesh, to be born the same way you were born. And though his birth was of a virgin, he came in the earthly body of an infant with no memory of heaven like you're born and you don't have very much memory of heaven. 
He didn't grow up as a two-year-old going, oh, I remember playing around the throne, and I remember sitting next to Father. He emptied himself of every one of those memories, every bit of that authority and every bit of that power, and he came as a true baby when he came out of that womb, a human baby the same way you did, in a same ungodly world that, like we all have, and with parents who were good but maybe not perfect or who knows what. So how, how did he grow? And the Holy Spirit only has two verses about how he grew. But they're packed. And I think if we focused on what he focused on as he was growing up, we would probably move at the speed of light into being in his image more and more. And after they took him to the temple when he was eight days old to dedicate him, the word of God says, and the child grew in statue and grew in wisdom and the grace of God. That's all we know about how he grew. He grew in wisdom and grace. And the word there for wisdom is twofold. That yes, he was learning natural things like how to talk, how to walk. But the word wisdom also means how to relate to God. That he was growing in what he needed to know in the world, but... He was growing in, how do I relate to you, God? And the word that it says he's growing in grace is that as a little one on up, the, the meaning of grace here in Strong's Concordance is different than what we say. Because sometimes you'll say, well, what's grace? The unmerited favor of God. No, not quite. This is... Beautiful. He grew in the absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God to man. Finding its only motive in the bounty and the free-heartedness of the giver. That he grew in the absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God that was given out of the heart of the giver freely. Period. And then 12 years later, as he's been 12 years in wisdom and grace, he comes and you know the story. He goes into the temple and they are all amazed at how does this child know such wisdom about relating to God? And he wasn't exactly, if you will, the center of his family or the most popular child in the family because the whole family left and didn't notice he wasn't with them. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you know. 
And when they came, his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, why are you treating us this way? Your father and I were searching for you in great distress. And he said, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? They didn't understand the saying that he spoke to him. So he went down with them to Nazareth and became submissive to them. And then the Holy Spirit repeats it again. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and grace with God. I believe the things of the kingdom are very simple. And if we can't put the things of the kingdom in a language that somebody, say, fifth or sixth grade can understand easily, then we need to reevaluate our language. Because all of his sermons were quite simplistic, so everyone could understand. And so here we have the Lamb of Glory on the throne who was willing to go to the cross. And we have all the power and the beauty of his ministry. And the only thing the Holy Spirit felt was important, that was critical and life-giving was, if you want to be like Jesus, look at what he focused on when he was growing up. Take your children there, moms and dads. And if you're an adult, take yourself there. And be reparented in the wisdom of yes we have to know certain things in this world but it's the wisdom of how to relate to him listen to this Matthew 13 54 he returned to his hometown he was teaching and they were all astonished and they said where did this man Get this kind of wisdom and miraculous powers. Mark 6, 2. He was teaching on the Sabbath, and the people were astonished, and they said, where did he get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And when he was being challenged, well, do you know this theology? And what about this question? And what about this? And, and he was surrounded by people challenging the wisdom he walked in. And in Luke 7, 35, he says, true wisdom is vindicated by her children. It's vindicated by the fruit you see from living in that realm of wisdom. Acts 6, 10. They were unable to cope with the disciples because they could not cope with the wisdom and the spirit that was upon them. 1 Corinthians 1.30, by his own doing, you are inside of Christ who became wisdom for you. And at that point, wisdom became a person. Not something you acquire, you study, 
Wisdom became a person. And just as for him, growing in wisdom was how do I relate to the Father? Then Jesus comes to bridge the gap. He puts you inside of himself, and he says, I am wisdom. I can be wisdom. Grace. Luke 4, 22, as he taught, all wondered at the grace in his words. John 1, he came full of grace and full of truth, and he has given to us grace upon grace. Absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the free-heartedness of the giver, that we are saved by grace. And grace is just this, this is who God is. This is who I am. This is who I want to be to you. When Jesus is on the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he never used the word grace when he preached and taught. Because he was grace. He was the embodiment of grace. And he forgave and he healed and he delivered and he blessed and encouraged. And he just free-heartedly gave and gave and gave, gave and gave and gave. Nobody had to earn, jump through hopes. Nobody had to do anything. He just loved and loved and loved. He didn't talk about grace because grace is a person and he was in the earth. Then from the book of Acts on, they talk about grace, but they connect it that it's him. It's intimacy with him. I remember some time ago um, meeting with someone, and they're like, I don't get grace, I don't understand it, you know, but don't you have to do this, and don't you have to do that? And, and that's okay, because if you look at the book of Acts and Romans 5 and on and on and on, I won't go through all the scriptures, the biggest struggle for the disciples was that it's grace, period, that you don't have to add works to it. It was the biggest struggle in the early church, if you really go through the word. And I said, Jesus, how, how, how do I tell this precious person who's so wounded, and he said, tell him that grace is me, and grace is when I stoop and I kneel before you to say, how can I serve you, so that you can be who you cannot be on your own, and you can do what you cannot do on your own, and so that bit by bit, you may be my image in the earth. When Jesus in Philippians 2 laid aside everything, it was a heroic humility. And if we want to follow in his footsteps, dear ones, it's a heroic humility. To say, I choose. I choose. I laid. I choose. You were made wisdom for me. You alone 
will influence my decision. You will teach me how to relate to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will be my wisdom with relationships. You will be my wisdom for all things. You are my wisdom. And it takes a heroic humility to say, God loved me with all of his heart when I came out of my mama's womb. And it doesn't matter if you've had 50, 60 years of ministry. He still loves you the same as he did when you came out of your mama's womb. He's always loved you with his whole heart, and he always will. There's nothing you can do to get him to love you more. He's always there, always loved you, always ready to share his heart unabatedly with you in any moment, any time, in any space. But sometimes we, we haven't served you well as leaders and Somehow you got to thinking that you had to do this. Yeah, but you've got to do this. And, and you miss that grace is just because he loves you. It's like he said to the church of Galatians, who taught you this gospel? Where did you get this gospel from? You were saved by grace. When did you get to thinking, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not bad. Maybe I should do this. Where did you get this? It's not from the truth. I, I love this. Acts 20, 32, he says, I commend you to grace that is able to build you up, give you the inheritance of the sanctified. Acts 20, 32. So think for a moment, the way you've been thinking about grace, is it a person, a power that can build you up? Is it the one that can give you the inheritance of the sanctified ones of the Lord? Or Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, grace trains us to walk away. And then he lists all the sins. And that it's grace who trains? Does an emotion train you? Does favor train you? A person trains us. A person builds us up. A person gives us the inheritance. A per Grace is seeing Jesus for who he really is. And that he's just like his father and he's got free hearted that he just wants to pour into you and freely, freely, freely give. But our doors are kind of closed because it takes a heroic, a totally heroic humility to go to that depth of need and say, I, I can't do anything. I receive salvation. I don't even know how to pray, as Romans eight twenty six says, but by grace, pray through me, Holy Spirit. And the heroic humility of God goes even further in First John chapter 4 when he says God is love. And if you abide in love, you abide in God. And he, he weaves us together that we're inseparable with him. 
And he says, God is love. Love is a person. And I know some of the things I'm saying may sound just so basic, but this past weekend, um, the Lord took me through a progressive, um, I guess you could call it vision, however you want to name it. But Saturday morning I was in prayer and I caught a glimpse and I saw Jesus on this massive sheet of ice with a hole cut in the ice and a fishing pole down in the ice. But it was a bamboo fishing pole like you use down south in the summer. And he was sad. Oh, my God, he was weeping. I didn't say anything. I didn't hear anything. The Holy Spirit let me catch a glimpse, and then I was just quiet. Then the next time, later on in the weekend, I saw him and again. And this time he, he had built like a hut around himself, like he's going to be on this piece of ice fishing a long, long time. And then the next time I'm sitting in this little hut with him. And I can tell he just knows he's going to be there a long time. And then he looks at me, and he nods like this, go out the door. And I go out the door, and I see way over here that in this piece of the land, springtime has come. And there's flowers and beautiful and birds singing. And I come back in. and In my heart, it is the season to bring singing to my people. But most of my people are frozen in their souls and spirits, and they don't know it. But I will wait them out. And then he brought to mind the verse when he says that in these days, the love of many will grow cold. And the word in the Greek is that your heart will grow so cold just one degree at a time. And so little, you won't even know you're cold. You think you're still hot on for the Lord. And then in the next time I'm sitting there, and we're just, we're just quiet. And then I start hearing all these voices underneath the ice. Our church is doing this. We got the new idea. Well, our church is carrying the signs and wonders. Well, we have a new concept from our family and from our pastor. Oh, they don't. And I heard all these voices. Yeah, but did you hear about this? And did you hear about this prophecy? And what about this? And this person and this? And oh, they're not done. And I heard all of this. And I just shook inside. And he looked at me and he said, they're celebrating the downfall of one another. And I lost it. He said, every time a church says, we're going to lead the way, we have this new idea. They're celebrating. Nobody else has it. 
And every time people pray more and more for their churches, they're just, it's like you just take care of your thumb and you don't give a flip if the rest of your body's healthy. They don't pray for other churches. They just want to say their church, let's. He said, they've gotten so cold, they justify judging and being angry with one another and think it's righteous. It's cold love, Susan. Wake them up. They're dying on the vine and they don't know it. It is written, if you hide iniquity in your heart, the Lord cannot hear your prayers. If you hide in your heart judgment of other people, even harsh judgment of yourself, baby, But the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And a righteous person isn't somebody who's all perfect. A righteous person walks in heroic humility and goes, I need God to be my wisdom, and I need his grace for everything, and I just want to walk in his love. Give me the power to love everyone at all times and in all moments, no matter what. And the prayer of the righteous one is activated. But sometimes our prayers are like in the wind. Because we forgot, dear ones, who we are. We are here to heal the world. One person at a time. And he's here to say, How about this? Let's make it simple. Just grow like me. Okay? Don't try to know everything and do all of this. Let's just make it simple. Just grow like I grew. And let me be your wisdom. And know I am grace. I love you. I want to release the healing to you, this to you. And I want to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure. And I, I, I'm love. Love is a person. There's a natural realm of love where we feel a bond with one another and we work, move out of our personality, and that's a natural realm of love. Everybody has some capacity for that. But what we are called to is different. That's not the love the Bible talks about. When the Bible talks about love, it is when the Holy Spirit imbues me with the love that Jesus has for you. And it just continues to grow and grow as I let him show me how to love. And in marriages and friendships, it's going, oh, Jesus, teach me how to love that person the way you want them loved. And every time you're like, be my wisdom, that's grace, not works. And just give me the power to give and receive love. It's like the ice starts melting. And a oneness with him and a 
clarity in his voice and a peace and a hope and a faith in the things of the kingdom, the warm springs of living water are released in you to depths you have never known. There is singing in the new season. And he will patiently sit there with me or with you or with us as a whole body until we will receive the son of his love to melt us. There is, there is zero, zero, zero condemnation in anything that's been said tonight. What you hear is your Savior fighting for you because he loves you and he wants every part in you to not even have an iceberg floating around. Warm, living waters because he's ready to bring the sound of singing in the land. And Oh, honey, he just doesn't want you to miss it. We can sometimes fall into praying the same ways for months and years and not realize, oh, I'm talking to a person. I don't say the same thing to my best friend every time I'm with them. That would get kind of boring. Prayer is dialogue, sweetheart. Dialogue. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And I'll close with this. Um, most of you have heard the verse from Zechariah chapter 4 that says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Right? A lot of you have heard that. The story. Zerubbabel, the temple had been destroyed. And Zerubbabel was to rebuild the temple, but the people had lost their fire and their enthusiasm, and they were just stuck. And Zerubbabel thought, how do we bring the fire back? How do we finish this temple? How do we do this? And an angel visits him and, and says, Zerubbabel, it's not going to be by your might or your power, not by your effort, not by you doing this or you doing that. It's going to be by the Spirit of the Lord. And then he said, Zerubbabel, do this. Get a picture in your mind and see the temple and see them putting the last stone on that temple so it's finished. And when you see that in your spirit, just say, grace, grace, grace. And I would say to you, see yourself. What kind of a man what kind of a woman would you really like to be? What kind of a man, what kind of a woman would you like? Like, I really want to grow in this and grow in that. And I want to be free. Of what do you want melted? <laughs> then just say, with heroic humility, <laughs> 